business meeting, and that is something that I know some people they come and uh, or or don't come uh, because uh, perhaps it's it's a little bit boring at times. But I am I am thankful that we can uh, that we can open up and talk about what God how God has blessed us and how we can continue to. Uh, be faithful and good stewards, amen, of everything that God has given us, and that's uh, that's what we do in those business meetings. And tonight, tonight, our Bible study, I want to, uh, you didn't know that you were coming here for this tonight, but this is, uh, let's call this business meeting 2.0, kind of, in, in a way. So business meeting 2.0, we, uh, one thing that that we do in our business meetings, and this is perhaps you've been part of other meetings that, that do the same, you, you follow a certain rule of order, just a, a way that, that things are done. There's, there's a certain way that, that things are done in a, in a more formal uh, way so that you can have conversation. And, and I, was, I was part of a, a business meeting in our district that... Uh, um, just this past year, in the past couple of months, and and in that meeting, Brother Duffy, I think I think that you were there at that meeting. That uh, it was about a two-hour-long conversation about changing the dues structure for the ministers in the Indiana district, and a two-hour conversation that was all governed by the Roberts Rules of Order. And you had this amendment and that amendment, and all these things, and. Everybody had to stay, and every once in a while you had somebody stand up and said, this isn't according to the order. What are we voting on? Are we voting on this amendment? Are we voting on the... And uh, it all ended up coming down to, they tabled the discussion after about two and a half hours, and they said, let's come back to this some other time. And that can happen at times. But the Roberts Rules of Order, there's, uh, you know, it's just a way that uh, last week, in fact... I think I think maybe it's the first time that's ever happened. We had somebody make a motion right at the beginning of the meeting, a motion to to waive the minutes, to waive the reading of the minutes, and and we did that. And uh, there's there's something else that can take place, and we didn't have this last week, but you can have in these these meetings something introduced, such as this due structure that I was talking about from last week, or, or from from uh, this last district conference, or uh, maybe it's like a general conference. They have uh, they have different resolutions each year that uh, that are introduced at the business meeting. And when these resolutions are introduced, they are done in such a way that you have these reasons for why you're introducing that. There's a reason why you want to make this change. There's a reason why you want to uh, you want to you know be it resolved that this would happen. Therefore, and this is kind of how this is how it's stated. There would, in order to back it up, their reasons for presenting something according to the Roberts Rules of Order. They would say, whereas here's a resolution. I'll just kind of read through some of this from the last district, or I'm sorry, last general conference. Whereas there has been a multi-year effort underway to update various portions of the manual, this is a very boring resolution, but, of the United Pentecostal Church, and whereas the general constitution itself needs to be revised to update its language, 
I'm not going to go through all these, but they have six or seven such whereas things. And then they say, be it resolved or therefore the following changes should be adopted. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. Sometimes as we are reading through scripture, we come across certain words that are hinge words. Words like, therefore. Therefore. Let's, we, have, we have this one scripture here in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. See, it's worth asking, why is therefore there? What is, what is therefore there for? Because I would say, and it is, it is true that therefore is there for a reason. That's the title of our message tonight. Therefore is therefore a reason. Therefore, it becomes a, a critical hinge or a, a word bridge that it joins the preceding reasoning, all these, all this reasoning that's been presented. When you are uh, bringing in these resolutions, there's, you know, whereas this, whereas this is the case, whereas this is the case, whereas they're kind of building the, the all these, these reasonings, this backstory. Whereas this, therefore, this ought to be the case. This ought to be the action that we take. Therefore, it's when we look at in the uh, word tense, it is an adverb. It's a part of speech that it modifies or it qualifies the words that are associated with it. And so it's there for it's it's a connecting word. It's taking something that was uh, said already and it's it's connecting that to something that is coming right after it. In scripture, in scripture we could look at this word therefore and oftentimes it signals this transition from doctrinal truth to practical consequence. They'll present doctrines. Paul will present doctrines or or Peter or uh, you know many uh, you know in the New Testament there's there's a there are certain truths that are presented and and they say therefore because these things are true therefore you ought to do this there's a practical consequence that comes out of those doctrinal truths it takes us this word therefore it can take us from what we believe to how we behave it moves us from what God has provided. You know, all these things that God's provided, these are different things that we can see when we are looking at this therefore. God's provided all these things, therefore God expects this. See, I think it's always a good practice to know what therefore is therefore. So when you're reading through Scripture and you come across a therefore, just pause for a moment and ask yourself, what is that? Therefore, did I miss anything before this that I should go back and make sure that I know before I go on to understand what he's trying to sum all that up or what the action is that he's trying to say I should do? So, you know, the Bible 
The Bible is more than just a, a collection of, of beautiful religious writings. I, I believe that it's, uh, it is a legal document. This is a legally binding document between God and His people. That the Word of God is a legal binding contract that governs the life of every child of God. That this Word of God, this has articles and clauses, this has uh, all these, you know, these legal words in it that God uses in a binding contract or in a way that he's, he's, he's presenting things to us, trying to spur us to act in a certain way. See, today, I just want to come with a few examples from the epistles. These are epistles that, uh, or these are different passages that have this therefore in them. And so, as I said, this is, in one way or another, an extension of our business meeting from last week. And I have some resolutions that I want to present to the church tonight that they have already been, been presented to the church because these are presented to the church by Paul, the apostle. These have been presented by, to the church by God as he breathed them into Scripture. And so, let's first turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians Chapter 2. Resolution number one is that you belong in God's family. We've been talking on this subject over these past several weeks. And I just believe that this is true through and throughout Scripture. That you belong in God's family. But let's look here in Ephesians chapter 2 and let's pull some truth out of this passage right here as he builds the case. He starts building the case in verse number one of Ephesians chapter two. Now, you're not going to see the whereas in there, but I'm building the argument. I'm building this. Paul uh, here as he's writing to the Ephesians is building the argument. He says, whereas you hath he quickened who were dead in your trespasses and your sins. Okay. Whereas that's the case, that you were dead, that you used to be dead in your sins and in your trespasses, but He has quickened you. What does that mean, to be quickened? To be brought alive. That's exactly right. You used to be dead. You're no longer dead. Whereas you used to be dead, and now you're quickened, or now you're alive. So whereas that's the case, that you are now alive when you used to be dead. Okay, that's a pretty big transformation there. Okay, it's, this is, the, this is the, uh, the, all the background that he's starting to build up here. Whereas he has quickened you, he's made you alive when you used to be dead in your trespasses and sins. And whereas by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Okay. This is, uh, this is the, the way that you became quickened, the way that you became alive. It was by grace, the grace of God that He gave you unmerited favor. Why did He bring you alive when you were dead in your sins? It wasn't because you deserved it. None of us deserve it. Not one of us in this place can earn salvation. 
But it's because of the grace of God that God saw fit. He saw us in our, in our lowly state. And it was through his grace and by our faith that he brought us, he brought us into this place where we are quickened or we are saved. Not of ourselves, this is the gift of God. Okay, whereas you were without Christ, you used to be aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers from the covenants of promise. Are you speaking to us today or are you speaking to a Gentile population? He says, here you were, you had no chance of this salvation because you weren't part of the family of God or the, the, the children of Israel. You had no hope. Whereas you were without God in the world, okay, this is where, where you were. Now, continuing in verse 13, whereas now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off, now you are made nigh by the blood of Christ, okay? Whereas you used to be far off, you sometimes you were afar off, now you've been brought, been brought close or nigh by the blood of Christ. Verse, let's skip down to verse 18. Whereas through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Okay, here's the preceding arguments or the preceding circumstances that Paul lays out. That you used to be dead in your sins, that you had... Uh, that it wasn't you that uh, made yourself alive, but it was by the grace of God and through your faith that you were saved. And you once uh, had no chance at this because you did not belong to the people of Israel. But Jesus Christ, by his blood, brought you close. And it's because of him that we now have access by one spirit to the Father. So how do we have access to the Father? Through the Spirit. Through the Spirit. When we are filled with the Spirit, then we have access. So whereas these are the circumstances, now let's look at what takes place when we have been quickened, when we have been Spirit-filled, when we have been brought into the covenant by the blood of Jesus Christ. What happens at that moment? Ephesians chapter 2, 19 and 20. Ye are, therefore, there you see it, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. You are built upon the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. You belong to the family. You're no longer a stranger. You're no longer a foreigner. You're no longer... Uh, you're no longer on the outside, but now you're on the inside. You're a fellow citizen with the saints. You're part of the household of God. And so, how can you become part of the family of God? It is by the preceding things that he just said. The only way that you can come into the family of God is when you were dead and now you have been quickened or made alive. The only way that you can come into the family of God is when you, by faith, re- would, would come to Him and receive His grace, which came, verse 
19, or I'm sorry, verse 13, you came by the blood of Christ, came by the blood of Christ. We have access through the Spirit. We have access when we are to, to the family, when we are filled with the Spirit. So if we want to belong to the family of God, and, and I believe that we all here want to belong to the family of God, how many of you have somebody else in mind that you want them to belong to the family of God? Amen. You have somebody in mind. I, I wish that, that my, you know, name, name them. I wish that my neighbor, I wish that my co-worker, I wish that my, my family member, I wish that they were part of the family of God. Now, we can't, we can't just make up our own rules and own way of getting into the family. This, this world, this, uh, this Christian world that we're in today, they, they have all kinds of ideas of how you can come into the family and, and you know, just it's pretty open. There's a pretty, pretty open door that, uh, you know, that is out there that people would say, you know, I'm just part of the family. Well, are you part of the family in the, in the sense that Paul laid out here in Ephesians or we see throughout Scripture? That you come into the family. See, therefore, we come into the family. You belong in God's family. But we do it in such a way that is laid out for us in Scripture. Amen. That we would, that we would be buried with Him in baptism. That we would receive the gift of the Spirit. That we would have, so that we can have access to the Father. Amen. You belong in God's family. There is a way that we belong in God's family, though. Amen. Let's let's go to resolution number two. Resolution number two. Your body belongs to God. Let it be resolved here tonight that we would all. Understand that your that our bodies belong to God. You know that our bodies do not belong to ourselves. Our bodies belong to God. We're going to go to First Corinthians chapter six. First Corinthians chapter six, and let's begin in verse nine. Again, he begins building his argument here, building the backstory. Whereas the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. In verse 9, the full scripture says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves, of mankind. He starts listing some of the unrighteous. This isn't all of them. But he, he starts to list some of the un, those who are unrighteous. Okay, whereas they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Whereas, in verse 11, such were some of you. Amen. Such were some of you. He's speaking to us today. Such were some of you. That's, I, I, I'm thankful that, that that, you know, were some of you. It's not such are some of you. Such were some of you. We're some of you. I'm thankful that we can be delivered from the past of unrighteousness. I'm thankful that when our eyes become open, that we no longer have to have to live in our unrighteousness. But such were some of you. But ye are washed. Ye are sanctified. 
You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. Amen. Such were some of you. Okay, still building this case your, that your body belongs to God. The, the righteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you. Verse 12. Verse 12. All things, whereas all things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient. Or all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Okay? So, whereas I could, really, I could do many things, but not all these things are going to help me. Continuing in verse 19, whereas your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. That's a really, really important aspect of this. That our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Whereas, in verse 20, verse 20, you are bought with a price. Okay. So therefore, let it be resolved that we ought to glorify God in our body and in your spirit, which are God's. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, Here's the part, which are God's. Our body does not belong to us because we have been purchased. We were bought with a price. All things are lawful for me to do, but not all things are expedient for me to do. All these things, I'm delivered from the past. I'm delivered from the unrighteousness. My body does not belong to me. It belongs to God. And so I glorify God with my body and with my Spirit. Amen. Resolution number two, your body belongs to God. Amen. We better keep moving here tonight. Resolution number three. Resolution number three, you don't owe your flesh a thing. You don't owe your flesh anything. We're going to go to Romans chapter eight here tonight. Romans chapter eight. Beginning in verse 2. Whereas the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And where, where that's the case, that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, there is... There is a, a law that governs us when we are living our life in Christ Jesus. When we live in Christ Jesus, we are free from the law of sin and death. When we live in Christ Jesus, when we live in Christ Jesus, how, how, how do we do this? There is every day we must put our flesh under the subjection of the law of Christ Jesus, or put ourselves in Christ Jesus. Make sure when I wake up in the morning, I am staying in Christ Jesus. I don't have the option to come out of Christ. I do have the option, but I'm not going to come out and step out of Christ Jesus. I want to stay in the law of Christ Jesus because it's there that we are free from the law of sin and death. Continuing, verse number 6. Whereas... To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. 
he's, he's speaking of these different mindsets that we can have. A, a mindset that is focused on the carnal things of this, this world or a mindset that is focused on the spiritual, which brings us to a place of life and peace. It's continuing. Whereas, in verse 8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. He's, he's building quite the, the, the backstory for this because much of this perhaps flies contrary to, uh, you know, to, to some of the people who he's writing to. But he says, this is what it is to live in Christ Jesus. That the flesh cannot please God. That we cannot be carnally minded because carnally minded people are living in death. Spiritually minded they are in life and peace. The flesh cannot please God. Where that's the case, continuing, verse 9, whereas you are not in the flesh, but you are in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Verse 11. You're not in the flesh. Verse 9 was, if you're not in the flesh, but you are in the Spirit. Verse 11, whereas, if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also, shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. But if you question today, can I live above reproach? Can I, can I conquer sin finally in my life? Yes, you can. If we live in, in, in a resurrected state where we are no longer, when I say resurrected, means that I am no longer dead in my sins, but I'm alive in Christ Jesus. There will be another resurrected state where we are resurrected out of this, this earth. Amen. And then we will have a new body. But he's not talking about, he's not talking about a new body here. He says, he shall quicken your mortal bodies. That's a pretty big statement right there. That he, he says, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. Bodies. That's this body right here on earth. There, there's some that in, uh, in, in their, their look at Scripture would say that there is, it is impossible to live above sin. Uh, and and I, I would say that, well, it says right here, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies or make your mortal bodies alive. This life, this body that we live in right now, He has given you the power over sin. Amen. Will we still have things that are drawing us to sin? Will we still have lust? Yes, you will still have lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. You still have every temptation that will come your way. Amen. But if we walk in the Spirit, if we walk in God, amen, he's, build, he's, he's building his argument here. He's saying, therefore, verse 12 and 13, therefore, brethren, we are debtors. We're debtors. Who, who do we owe the debt to? To Christ. It's not to the flesh. We're, we're not debtors to the flesh. 
We don't, we don't owe our debt to our flesh. In other words, you don't owe your debt to come and pay the, the things that your flesh is wanting. But you owe your debt to live, uh, or, or not to the flesh, to, or to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. We owe our debt. We are debtors, but we are debtors to Christ. We are debtors to the Spirit that mortifies the deeds of the body. Amen. We, what, he's, what He's driving us to is to live a life that is fully dependent on the Spirit. Fully dependent on the Spirit. We need to, we, we as a church, we must... We must get to a place where we are dependent on prayer, where we are dependent on God, where we cannot walk throughout our day without saying, God, fill me, help me today to make it through this day. Uh, and walking in the Spirit, noticing when there are people, Lord, who I can minister to because I am an agent, Lord, of the Spirit. Lord, so let me, God, mortify my flesh. Get rid of my flesh. I don't know my flesh anything. I don't. I don't owe my flesh a thing. Amen. So, so God, get, let's get the flesh out of the way so that I can minister, so that I can go and be what all that you have called me to be. I was, I was listening to a, a message this week by um, a powerful minister, Brother uh, Billy Cole. And Brother uh, Cole's is a decades old message. Um, but he was speaking on, on the, the parable that Jesus, that he, he told about the stranger, the, the, the person who was coming by, as a, and, and they came to somebody's door at midnight, knocked on the door. They said, do you have anything that I can eat? Do you have any bread for me and this person whose door they knocked on, he, he comes to the door and he searches his pantry. And he says, I don't have any bread. I don't have anything. I'm, I'm sorry. And so he runs over to his neighbor's house and he gets some bread for the, for the passerby, this person who had come to his door at midnight. And, and how, how often is that the case for us when somebody is there and they're in need? Somebody comes to us and yet here we are because we are living after the flesh and we say, my flesh, I owe you all this stuff even though I, I, you know, I used to be carnally minded, yet here I am continuing in my carnal mindedness, and we don't have any bread to offer people because of that. We don't have anything to offer those who are hungry. We don't have anything when somebody comes to us, when somebody is hurting or somebody, they're, 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 they're ready to, to make a step and to, and to begin this 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 walk with God, and yet they come to us in that moment of need or that moment of transition in their life, and we have nothing to offer them because we are not spiritually minded enough. And we need to get the bread. We need to get the bread. Lord, give me the bread. Download the bread into my life today. Lord, let me eat the bread today. God, let me begin my day with the daily bread so that you, Lord, can come out of me and that I can be there for somebody else when they come looking for the bread, when they come hungry. Amen. You don't owe your flesh anything, but when we walk in the Spirit, then we have bread that we can offer somebody else. It's when we live and we dwell in the flesh, when we live and we dwell in the place where we are satisfying every lust, every desire in our life, that we don't have, we don't have 
what the world is looking for. Amen. Let's continue with our resolutions here tonight. I think we're halfway through. Resolution number four. God hears your prayer. (laughs) God hears your prayer. Amen. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter three. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter three and Hebrews chapter four. God hears your prayer. Hebrews 3, 14. Whereas we are made partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, we are, we are partakers of Christ. Christ has things to offer, and here we are. We partake in the things that Christ has to offer. So whereas we can partake in what He has to offer, uh, in verse or chapter 4, verse number 3, whereas... We which have believed do enter into rest. Whereas here in our craziness of life, we can believe on Him and enter into a place of rest, understanding that God has all things in His hands, all things under His control. And He said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if ye shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, all things have already been set in order, set in place by God. So whereas that's the case, let's go down to verse number 12. Whereas the word of God is quick, powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So whereas the word of God can do all of that, and in verse number 14, whereas we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, who is the high priest? It is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So let us hold fast our profession. Continuing. Whereas... We don't have a high priest who cannot be touched. He cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Whereas this is the case, whereas here we are as those who uh, are partakers of Christ, we are those who uh, who enter into the rest of that Christ offers us. Here we are. We have access to the most powerful thing. Which is the word of God. Most powerful thing that we have access to is right here in the word. And then also in our prayers. Which, uh, which comes uh, through access to the high priest. The great high priest. Who has um, felt and, and been tempted just like we are. We have been. Therefore. Therefore. Let it be resolved. We would come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Let us come boldly before God. Let us come boldly before a God who came down to this earth and robed himself in flesh 
and dwelt among us and was tempted in every, in every way that we have been tempted. He was tempted in all of these things. And because of that, we can come boldly before him and obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Because we have the word of God, we can come boldly before him and we can say, Lord, your word says it and I believe it and I hold you to what your word says. We can come boldly before him because this word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing asunder of the heart and the soul, the joints and marrow. All these things are, that are in me, it gets deep in me. This word, it speaks to me. And because of that, outflows my prayers. And I can come boldly before the throne of God. Amen. When we come in prayer, do not come and just pray some little tiny prayers. But let's pray big prayers. Let's pray and expect God to do great things. Let's pray things. Why? Because we have a high priest who he has conquered the world. We have a high priest who conquered death, hell, and the grave. And he says, you have access to me. Enter into my rest. Enter into my rest. Come to the, to the throne of grace boldly. Come to the throne of grace boldly. Amen. We have this opportunity to come to God with our prayers and God would hear our prayers. Amen. Resolution number five. Resolution number five. The Lord is coming soon. Be it resolved that the Lord is coming soon. Be it resolved. Come on, let us know that the Lord is coming soon. Whereas, this is in First Thessalonians chapter 4. Whereas every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Amen. He's getting us ready here. Paul is getting the Thessalonian church ready. He's getting us ready for the coming of the Lord. He's telling us what we need to do. Every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Whereas, verse 7, God has not called us to uncleanness, but unto holiness. Verse 16. Whereas the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Where that's the case, whereas yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Lay in the case of, of how this is going to take place. These are, this is the circumstance that, uh, that we live in. Whereas ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that, the, that, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You know this day is coming. So, therefore, 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Let us watch. Let us live in such a way that we are expecting the return. The Lord is coming soon. Church, the Lord is coming soon. And so that let it be resolved that we would watch, that we would not sleep as do others, sleepwalking through this life, but let us watch and be sober, waiting for that return. Let us, let us possess our vessel in sanctification and honor. 
let us not be called to uncleanness, but let us walk in holiness. Why? Because the day of the Lord is soon approaching. We will not sleep. We will not, uh, we will not be like everybody else, but we will watch and be sober. Amen. The Lord is coming soon. Resolution number six. Your work for God matters. What we do right now in this world matters. We are not meant to be just a part of the body that is non-functioning. You're not meant to be just some, uh, some extra part of the body that is like the end of the, the fingernails and it can be cut off and discarded and it's, there's no purpose for it. Nobody here is the end of the fingernail that's just going to be trimmed off and you have no purpose. In fact, the, I guess the end of the fingernail has quite a bit of purpose as long as it's attached to the body. feels pretty good when you scratch your back or scratch an itch. So maybe I should have used another example. Your work for God matters. Hey Amen. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Whereas, in verse 20, now Christ has risen from the dead. He's become the first fruits of them that slept. Whereas, in verse 22, in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So because of Adam, because of the humanity and the sin that entered into the human race, we all would die, and because of what Christ did when he overcame death and the hell and the grave, we will all be made alive one day. I mean, whereas that's the case, whereas the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, as it tells us in verse 26, whereas in verse 51, if you skip all the way down, he's building a great, great big argument here. If we go down to verse 51, whereas we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed... Whereas in verse 52, the trumpet shall sound, the dead, the dead shall be raised incorruptible. We shall all be changed. Verse 54, whereas, he says, so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Therefore, Okay, because, because, we, uh, because Christ has already conquered the grave, because we will die but then be resurrected, because of all of this, because the, the trumpet will sound, we will all be raised incorruptible one day. Because of that, in verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's the phrase that I wanted to highlight here. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because Jesus Christ is coming back, because we will be raised incorruptible, let us all be always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He builds all the way up to that. 
because Jesus Christ is coming back, let us be steadfast. Let us be unmovable. Not, not unmovable in the sense that you will not, you come in here and you sit on a seat and you will not be moved. And I've heard that song sung, I will not be, I will not be moved. I do not like that song in some aspects. As true as it is about I'm not going to be moved out of the family of God or out of this, uh, my, my place in God, I want to be moved in the work of God. Amen. I don't want to be just sitting here not doing anything, but I want to be always abounding in the work of the Lord that my labor would not be in vain. The Lord will not look at our labor in vain. Amen. There are so many key words such as this therefore and tonight I just uh, just coming out of that business meeting this is just one thing that I've had kind of on the back burner and uh, thought it was fitting coming out of that so that we would just present some resolutions tonight amen that we would see therefore that these things would take place why because because of all, all the arguments all the the circumstances that are laid out before it. So as you're reading through scripture, amen. And I know, I know this, uh, I mentioned it on Sunday, our strong family challenge. And I want to just encourage you, uh, wherever you're at, whether it's, it's just you, whether it's you and your spouse, or you and your spouse and kids in your household, whatever your family looks like, amen. I want to encourage you to continue in the Word of God. Continue in your study of the Word of God. Continue coming together as a family or, or coming together, just, just maybe it's just you, but in, in your family. Let's build each other up. Let's, let's get into the Word of God and, and, and discuss it. Don't just let it be uh, just words on a page, but let's, uh, as, we, as we dig into the Word of God, amen, let's let it come alive to us. And there's just little studies like this. Therefore, amen, it is there. For a reason. Amen. So let your studies be fruitful. There's a scripture that says. Uh, says that. Uh, you are. Uh, let us work. Our, out our own salvation. With fear and trembling. Amen. That doesn't mean you get to make up your own salvation. Your own way to be saved. But let us all. Not just count on somebody else. Somebody else to do this for us. But let's all dig into the word of God. Amen. And build strong families, strong selves, so that we can have a strong church. Amen. God bless you, church. Let's, uh, let's before we dismiss tonight, let's just uh, lift up our hands in prayer. Amen. That the Lord would go before us this week. That He would use us. Amen. And that He would also just bless this service that we have this Friday night with our children. In Jesus' name, Lord, we come before you. Lord, I pray that you would just walk before us. God, that you would go before us every day this week. Help us, God, to, to walk in truth. God, to walk in wholeness. God, to live, God, in, in, in a, such a way, Lord, that your spirit is leading us and guiding us. Lord, I pray that you would move in a mighty way this Friday evening. God, as we are gathered together here in this place. Lord, that your spirit, Lord, would move into the lives of these children. God, as they seek you, as they seek your spirit, Lord, fill them with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Lord, transform this church, God. Start it, God, with our children. God, help us, Lord, to get behind them. Lord, helping them to pray. Lord, let, us, let our families be transformed. God, let our church be transformed. In Jesus' 
name. Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. You are dismissed tonight.